Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and today's guest is all the way in Dubai. Welcome, Sophia Goodson. Hey, guys. What's up? What's good? How are you? How are you, Mrs. I have the perfect voice for podcasting? (laughs) I'm doing good. Uh, This is actually my second podcast, so I'm quite excited. I'm really excited to have you on. And it's something that we had been like going back and forth trying to plan for a while. And uh, of course, we had to wait for a quarantine to happen. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes, I suppose so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, there's now is the time to like, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, I'm immediately as soon as I realized she's quarantined, I'm quarantined. I literally texted you and I was like, let's do this. Let's make it happen. So I'm glad that we were able to coordinate and make it happen with the time differences and all. But um, if you guys don't already know who Sophia is, she's a content creator. She's a modest influencer. And she's kind of like an OG when it comes to modest fashion. That's how I would describe you. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Not to toot my horn, but yeah. I mean, you you are one of the co-creators of like one of the more like like one of the most popular, I think, like hijabi Instagram accounts, which is hijab fashion. Is it still called hijab fashion? Yeah, it's hijab fashion. And Sophia runs it at the moment. Um, the other okay. Sophia, not myself. Um, but yeah, we were working on it for a couple of years. And it's the the biggest modest fashion community on Instagram. So yeah. it's pretty exciting. Yeah, we did a lot. And I just, I, I feel like you always have had like a really unique way of like shooting content that's like very like very you you would do these like um different like layers on your feed of like three photos and like when I think of you that's what I think of because I remember when I found your Instagram profile that's what it looked like and it was so beautiful (laughs) I know I really wanted to keep that up I wanted that to be my brand forever um because it was so difficult to mimic so I was like no one could copy this this is like my branding but then brand deals came in and they wanted uh, different specifics and they wanted their content to be shot a certain way. So I kind of had to shift and change because I wasn't able to continue doing what I was doing um, and move forward at the same time. But I wish I had kept it, to be honest. I mean, to be honest with you, your content is still like some of the beautiful, most beautiful images that I've, that I ever see on Instagram, to be honest. But, um, I, I do think that like, as far as like keeping a feed, looking a particular way, I've never been able to do it at any point. So honestly, I applaud you for even being able to do it for a period of time because that shit's hard. It's very hard. It's like having to have your own structure and a system and planning and preparing and all these other little tasks. But at the same time, I haven't been able to kind of recoup from that and manage just like sporadically posting because it's so difficult for me to just post randomly without like archiving later. But um, really? Yeah. <laughs> I so, like, do you like plan them like you plan your posts I don't that's the thing I don't plan my posts so that's the problem I I haven't been able to to keep my feet as organized as I'd want it to be but um it's fine for now I have a manager who kind of tells me hey your feet is uh, incoherent at the moment you gotta fix it up (laughs) (laughs) incoherent what a polite way of being like hey uh excuse me the shit doesn't go together so can you can you do it Mm -hmm. um but I wanted to talk about kind of how you started your career in fashion a little bit, because I know, obviously, I think Instagram was kind of 
where you grew a lot, but is that where you started your career? Um, I suppose so. I mean, I've been blogging. I first started off as like, you know, those Islamic blogs that I was one of the people behind one of them um, on Tumblr. And then oh, cool. after Tumblr, Instagram like happened. So I got an Instagram and then it just started like one post at a time. Um, and then it just kind of grew, you know, when you have... Um, there's like a need and then there's like a demand for something it just kind of grows organically um and then after doing that it was a hobby you know we didn't really have anyone to look up to we didn't have any halimas we didn't have any ibtihajas or we didn't have that so we were creating for ourselves uh it was a hobby and then it kind of you know you got one deal or two deals and you fly out here fly out there and it I guess it becomes somewhat somewhat of a career. And is it something that you're you want to like continue pursuing, or like are you hoping to you know evolve into something else, like starting your own business? I feel like I'm asking. Uh, I, 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 I'm like <laughs> throwing questions at you. <laughs> I was like, oh no, um, no, absolutely, definitely. There's definitely things um, in the works at the moment um, that I cannot speak about, but um, there's definitely <laughs> things in the works for sure. I mean, honestly, I'm excited for whatever you do because something that I've noticed about you, it's funny because you were saying like, I end up archiving posts. You really are perfectionist. I feel like when it comes to content and your posts and the quality of your posts, and that's something that I really do admire because I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, well, this picture is kind of like blurry and grainy, but you know what? I'm just going to post it anyway. I know, but you know, it's, it's all preference because at the end of the day, I feel like a selfie on your iPhone could do just as well if not even better than like a professionally taken photo so that's when I realized it's not about the quality it's really about what people like and I realized through my research or my observations that people like others or content creators that they can relate to that are relatable so I feel like people that shoot their content on their phone are a bit more like easygoing are I don't know. They people engage with them more because they see themselves in that person. But when you're like professionally shooting and doing all these random concepts and these things that people can't just randomly do, people feel like you're out of touch. But I think at the same time, like I, I definitely see where you're coming from. But something that I think does make you relatable, and this is something we were chatting about before, is that you're one of the few creators that I believe genuinely has a lot of open dialogue with your with your followers, with your audience. Like you're constantly asking them kind of like thought provoking questions or constantly trying to encourage them to think out of the box and, and talk to you and share their thoughts. And then you you're sharing your thoughts and putting yourself in a more vulnerable position. And I think that's something that I find to be really relatable and genuine because, you know, you're an artist, I think when it comes to your photos, but you're still, you know, a young woman and you're relatable. And, and I really like that that concept of having like an open conversation with your audience absolutely i think you know when you come on someone's instagram page you know um you see their photos maybe you see a couple of videos and then you have this image of who they are but no one is one-dimensional and that's why i feel like stories kind of helps me break away from that because on my in my pictures I'm one person, all my stories are another <laughs> person. So I like how, you know, the stories kind of break um, that those two components of, I guess, the more professional side and the more day-to-day um, where I can share my thoughts and be interactive with my audience. 
Yeah. And I, I, I definitely feel you on that because even for me, like if, if someone were to just look at my photos, I don't necessarily think my personality would be what they would imagine would go with the pictures. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm super like animated. I like to joke around a lot. I'm kind of an asshole, but like when you look at my pictures, it's like, Oh, she's kind of like, seems like a, maybe like an uptight person. Like that's what I got a lot when I first started kind of sharing more is like, Oh, I thought you were really uptight. And I'm like, I'm really not uptight at all. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really interesting how, um, stories for me have turned into a way to like really connect with people but so yeah like I was saying like I really like kind of the the conversations that you have and I also find the responses of your followers to always be really interesting because it's kind of not what you expect because I think that we we as like you know Muslim influencers or whatever you want to call it like the primarily our demographic is Muslim and sometimes you kind of are like oh maybe they're not going to be as open-minded about this but you know they really do surprise you with how woke they are (laughs) absolutely and I think you know um having traveled and having met so many different people and so many Muslims, you know, in the industry, outside of the industry, different ages, male, female, different sects, even um, everyone has differently, different, completely different views based on their experiences, based on the life that they live, based on how they were raised. So that's why it's so interesting to kind of collect so many different thoughts and put them out there so others can also see and also for myself you know I'm also like shocked and surprised by the responses sometimes and I feel like it's very eye-opening and that's why I share them because they're thought-provoking gets people thinking like oh what if and oh that's an interesting perspective and interesting view and reason and this and that and the other and the you recently I think it was like yesterday where you asked uh people's thoughts on friendships between influencers and I thought that that was really interesting because like we were kind of talking about earlier like there are very different relationships between influencers because ultimately we're kind of like co-workers which is so weird yeah I think it's it's a very interesting relationship um influencers together um and I, I don't know how, how, how to say this. Um, like I explained to you earlier, it's it's where you have yeah your coworker, your peer, and also someone that you see as a friend, and mixing those two. That's that's what influencer friendships are, you know. Um, and as like amazing as they can be, they can also be really difficult to handle and maintain. And like, I'm like, I want to like, okay, so in my, in my personal experience, like any friendships that I've had with influencers other than maybe one, and I wouldn't even have considered that like a friendship. It was more so like an acquaintance. I've Mm -hmm. never really had any issues within them. Um, But it's also, I'm, 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 I feel like I'll be cordial and nice with most people, but Mm -hmm. very rarely do I actually like take the time to like build a friendship with someone. And when I do to me, it's like, okay, you're my friend now, like, you know, whatever. And so in that sense, I feel like I've kind of avoided any type of like real conflict as far as like an influencer friendship, Mm -hmm. but 
I definitely know that there are very, it's, it's a difficult situation to navigate because like we were saying, like we're, we're all kind of put into this one category by brands as like, you know, the, the, the Muslim girl, the token hijabi girl. Um, and they kind of mm-hmm. hit us against each other because there's only room for one. I mean, God forbid they put more than one. So it does sometimes create difficult situations. And I think the reason why I haven't had a lot of negative experiences with it is because I'm a little bit removed living in Florida. Um, I'm not like in a major city where where there's a lot of influencer things happening or like a lot of other Muslim influencers. Like for me in Orlando, I, I don't even I don't know any other Muslim influencers, truly. I think with um, where I'm positioned in Dubai at the moment, um, there we're everywhere, you know, like everyone is basically Muslim. Um, and it's not even a matter of like, who's a hijabi and who's not, although this is a completely different subject to be talking about hijabis in the Middle <laughs> East and being represented and all this and that. But um, it's just a matter of, you know, who, how you decipher who is actually your friend and who is there to kind of leverage or make use of a good opportunity. Um, and I think that's the most difficult thing for me personally is like, how do I know this person is my friend? And because we are all peers and it's like everyone kind of knows each other. We're like in this big web. Um, and like I was saying, it, it gets difficult when a friendship potentially turns into like an exchange of services. Like, hey, um, can you put me up for this event? Or, hey, can you put my name on this list? And, hey, what's the contact for that? And can you get me this? And can you do that for me? And can you blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, it gets really exhausting. It exhausts the friendship, you know, because you're, I feel like there's a breaking point as to, you know, how much more can I give to this friend? Um, and I think that's really difficult to navigate. Um, no, that is. A, I mean, that's a difficult situation. I mean, I'm really kind of glad that I've never been in a situation with a close friend like that. But there have been times with some influencers who maybe I'm not super close with where they they ask me for contacts. And I'll be honest with you, I'll give a contact to, to almost anyone just as long as they're being polite about mm-hmm. it like you know what I mean like there's no sense of entitlement that's where I kind of draw the line when it's kind of like oh you should just give this to me do you know what I mean like there's like this kind of like I deserve this uh, uh you're my peer so just give it to me but not like in a way like hey girl like I saw that you worked with this brand I would really love to work with them because it's like one of my favorite brands like would you mind sharing the contact with me yeah I'll give you the contact you know what I mean but I think it's mm-hmm. more so about how the person asks, but also like if someone's just constantly asking you for things, that is kind of a difficult situation because it does feel like they're just trying to benefit from you as much as they can. And that's, that's weird in any situation or in any career, like for someone to constantly be asking you for favors. I mean, it, it, I think in any situation, that's just kind of like feels very one-sided. Yes, it can be. But when it's masked in friendship, it's hard to decipher sometimes. That's what I'm trying to say is when you see someone as a friend and you want to be helpful and, you know, 
you are there to support them and you're there to see them, you know, exceed and be successful and blossom in their career or whatever, it's not necessarily a problem. It becomes a problem when it's repetitive, when this is a pattern and when they're no longer asking how you are because they genuinely care. They're just saying, hey, how are you? Can I get the contact? Or hey, how are you? Can yeah. you which post do you want me to put up? Or whatever the scenario is. Um, I feel like that's where it becomes difficult for me. Because I'm like, okay, wait a minute. These are red flags. I need to move away from this situation and take a little break and kind of recollect my thoughts and um, really prioritize what it is I need to do and put boundaries. I think having boundaries and limitations is the most important thing. And I feel like a lot of people put their guard down, especially when you associate someone with friendship. You know, you feel like, oh, they got your back. You got their back. When something comes up, pops up and you ask them for help, they'll be there. Um, But that's not always. And this is not just for influencers. This relates to, I think, most situations. Yeah, I mean, it definitely relates to like, I think most relationships, but also I, I, I agree that in, in the influencer space, it does get a little bit trickier because it's, it's such new territory. And, and for me personally, a lot of times when I help people or I give them, you know, some type of information, it's because I feel like there is a lack of like transparency And a lot of times people, because it is kind of this new thing still, Mm -hmm. people, people do have trouble kind of navigating. And it's almost like you want to help them out and like help them like show them the way. But then for me, I think it becomes a problem when they just like rely on you fully to now be their manager, essentially, which I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, I get that comment all the time. But um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's i don't know i think having your boundaries and setting your limitations is is you know it's the kind of prevention that you would need and i think this like i said applies to most relationships but um yeah it just gets really tricky i think when you're an influencer because you're doing all these collaborations and you're doing these mixed collabs where you post and that person posts and you guys mix your followers together i don't know like i don't i personally don't do these things why it's very difficult to consider myself an influencer because i'm literally not i don't consider myself part of any community i'm kind of like this lone wolf i do my own thing i pop up whenever i want to and you know hide away whenever i need to um you are very good at hiding away when you want to (laughs) (laughs) so you know i just i you know i just i just don't know like how genuine are these collaborations you know how competitive is it really because at you know at the end of the day it's like we're kind of working hard to achieve similar goals um and like i said everyone has different intentions some people want to be famous some people want fame and they're hungry for the followers they're hungry for attention some people really really need attention they need to be in the spotlight um Others are doing it because they want to create content and they have other goals and they want to build businesses and they want to have a name for themselves or whatever the case is. So I think it really depends on the person and their intention. And I have friends that want to be artists. They want to do music. And this is a way for them to get into the music industry. Um, Some friends want to start brands. Others want to be on TV. Some want to be actors. So I think 
you know, being on these social media platforms is a great way for people to explore different ventures, you know, things that we necessarily wouldn't have had the opportunity of doing, you know, ever really if we hadn't like joined the platform and grown to where we are right now. Um, So I just feel like it's safe to have your precautions and just be careful with, you know, who it is that you're interacting with because the people around you, their energy, their attitude, the way that they are really will affect you in your career. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. Yeah. And like for me, boundaries are, I feel like in my mid twenties, that's when I realized I was like, boundaries are crucial. And even if it makes someone uncomfortable, that's not my problem. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. don't be rude about it, but like if you express your boundaries to someone and they don't respect your boundaries, a lot of times I feel like as women, especially we, we like to blame ourselves. We're very critical of ourselves. I've said this before. Women were very critical of ourselves and we're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but like, don't feel bad about expressing your boundaries. And if someone is making you feel bad for having boundaries rather than respecting them to me, that's a huge red flag. Like, Mm -hmm. As long as I feel like it's relayed in a respectful way, like if I'm like, if, you know, if I feel like someone is constantly asking me for favors and I feel like, okay, this is like a one-sided relationship, I might say something like, hey, listen, girl, like, I, you know, love to help you out, but I'm going to be honest with you. Lately, it feels like you only hit me up when, when you want something from me. And um, that's totally fine if that's the kind of relationship that you're looking for. But I was under the impression that we were like, you know real friends. So like, I just wanted to let you know, it's making me a little feel a little bit weird. And if someone gets mad at you for saying something like that, then, you know, I feel like it's the response to it is kind of clear, a clear indicator of like their position. Cause if they're your friend, they're going to be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like shit, like you're right. Whatever. Like maybe I should have been checking in on you, but like, if they're like, you know, getting weird about it and being like, you're being really dramatic. I don't know what you're talking about. Start making excuses to that to me. I'm just like, no, sorry. Bye. See you later. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I, that's just like you were saying, like, I mean, I, I am a little bit of an empath. And so people's energy does really affect me. And I think that's why I'm very selective of the people that I really, really, really like create friendships with. And, and also like one of my closest friendships is another influencer, like Maria, she's one of my closest friends. She's someone who I, like, I trust her. She's like a confidant to me. Like I feel like I can tell her anything. And before or after uh, we met each other when we, right before we both started blogging, Mm. like literally right before, maybe like a few months before. Okay. And then we, we didn't, we, we started getting closer over time, but that to me is like one of my closest friends. And like, I feel kind of grateful to the platform for bringing us closer. And, um, and I do feel like there is like, but there's, and it's not even like a conscious effort to keep a healthy balance between like work and friendship. Like it, for me, it just kind of happens organically, but I think it, it's because of the person she is, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. because the person that I am, that that happens so seamlessly. Like if I, you know, if I'm on the fence about working with a brand, she's a person I'm going to text and be like, yo, what do you think about this? Right. Think it's a good idea. But at the same time, like if I'm crying and having a mental breakdown or like, if I feel like she's maybe not in a good place, like I'm going to call her and just talk about that. But I feel like it's about 
I feel like it just like having like a real friendship is what eliminates all of this like weird shit where it seems like the other person is just trying to benefit from you. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree, but that's the thing. Like things can shift, and so much can change. Um, like I know people that have been friends before they became influencers. So obviously, they're still friends, and they keep this healthy balance. Some people do genuinely be your friend, and then like things change, and they get into the whole influencer thing, and they, I don't know, like it, it really it changes. And I've said this before, but I feel like all relationships have an expiry date. <laughs> Well, I mean, I I agree with you to a certain degree because I think that a lot of times what happens is when we grow and evolve, we sometimes outgrow people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe these are people that we connected with so deeply at one point that we could never fathom not having that same connection with them. Those connections can fade away because you change, you evolve, your interests shift, your priorities change. And when that happens, if the other person isn't kind of in the same place as you, it is difficult to kind of maintain that relationship. You know what I mean? Like you kind of have to be to a certain degree in the same place or mindset as someone else, I think, to easily maintain a friendship. Absolutely. Because after that point, that's when it's like, all right, I got to actually put in work. And it's like, am I, is this what I'm going to put my energy into? Like, is it worth it for me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. is this, is this a friendship that's really important to me where this person is like, you know, like family or whatever, where like, I am going to make sure that this friendship is nurtured. But yeah, like I definitely, I mean, I've outgrown a lot of people and it, and it, it kind of makes me sad. Like, I'll be honest with you, like it bums me out, but I also at the same time, like I can't really be mad at myself for, for growing. No, I, I completely agree with you. That happens all the time. Or like you said, you know, our priorities change and you're no longer in this competitive mindset, you know, where you want to do all the brand campaigns and you want to travel all the time and you want to get all the deals and you want to do this. Sometimes she's like, Oh, a couple of days, a couple of deals a year. I'm good. I'm content. I don't have to be everywhere. I don't need to be friends with everyone. And that's kind of where I am. And so uh, maybe the problem is me after all, because no, no, and I, I, that's a healthy approach in my opinion, like not feeling like you need to be everywhere, not feeling like you need to be friends with everyone. To me, I'm like, that's, that's real. Like, people who feel like they need to be everywhere or be fucking best friends with every influencer. Like to me, that that's concerning. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, like, how mm-hmm. is that even sustainable? Like, I don't think it's sustainable. That's the thing. That's the issue that I have with it. Like you might have, the person might even have good intentions, but it's still not sustainable to be super tight with like everyone. Like you're just not going to be able to do it. You're setting yourself up for failure. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it's just so tired. I mean, I've never tried to do that, but I've had like like more than like five friends at one time and like I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't be close to everybody at the same time, check up and tell the same story to everybody at the same time. And it was like yep. one person at a time and then it just kinda like disappear for a while and I'm like, Hey guys, I'm back and they're like, You were gone for six months. <laughs> Where did you go? <laughs> it was hard like, I had to do this and that. But um yeah, it's a it's a very gray zone. It's a very gray zone because 
Yeah. It is. It's, it's, and I, like you saying like, yeah, like it, it, sometimes I'll disappear and then I'll come back. Like, yeah. And like, the thing is, is I know someone is my real friend when they don't get mad at me when I do that, because they know me well enough to know that it's not like, I don't give a shit about you. It's just that I'm a little overwhelmed right now. And I can't, I can't check in on everyone or I can't update everyone on my life. Like it's yeah. too exhausting for me personally, which I know sounds very dramatic, but I'm, I do, I am more introverted than anything else. So for me, it, it is genuinely draining. No, I, me too. Like I'm notorious in Dubai for hiding. Like every <laughs> time I meet someone, they're like, oh, you decided to come out of your cave. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Just they're like, how long has it been? They're like, it's been eight months. I'm like, wow. Okay. Wow. So, um, it's just it's like, I had a, I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A new brain, a new mindset. Um, and uh, I've had a couple of people that didn't take it very well. They were very, they were like really upset and I didn't know how to like, even though I had thoroughly explained, um, my position and everything, they just they weren't able to accept, accept it. Um, so I think sometimes maybe I am the problem because I'll like bounce and then I come back like nothing happened and like not everyone can handle that. Um, I'm not necessarily like extremely attached to people. Um, I'm quite distant sometimes. Um, but just generally speaking, like when I do love the people that I love, I genuinely care about them. And I like, I'm the kind of person like I will fight for you. Like I'll be like, hold my earrings. That, that's, that was my personality. Like, I'm a ride or die. Um, but, uh, you know, being in this industry, you just have to be super cautious. Like I said, it's a gray zone because we all know each other, even though I might not be friends with everyone. I know everyone, you know, we're all like linked in one way or another. And it's just really draining and difficult because it's like, well, you know, who can I trust and who can I contact if I need help or assistance or this and that? And it's so competitive, like the energy is so draining. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, trust me, like I have a thing where I get this thing called um, DM anxiety. Like when, and like, I, I say this sometimes and I feel like people are always like, oh my God, like, I'm sorry, I didn't know that I, like sometimes when I get DMs from other like creators, like I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice to hear from you. But literally some sometimes it, like, it's like a crippling anxiety. Like I feel like the certain expectation to like respond in a certain time frame, respond in like a certain way, match their energy level. And like, I can't always do that. So what I end up doing is just not responding for like a really long time, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people think I'm an asshole, but like, and maybe I am an asshole, but for me, my personal priority is what makes me feel good and what's going to create a, the least amount of stress for myself without physically harming other people. You know what I mean? Like, and, and like you were saying earlier, you were like, yeah, like sometimes you need to kind of detach for a little while. And like, I can definitely relate to that. And it's something that I'm really grateful that I, I live in Florida sometimes because I am detached and I can disappear, I think, with a little bit more ease um, yeah. because I need it. Like it's it's like a, it's not even like a selfish desire. It's like an actual need. Like I mentally need to do it. Yeah. I mean, being in Dubai, it's like the heart of it all. 
there's yeah. like so many multiple events in one day and so like i'll go just out once in a while you know if it's a brand that i really like or a client that needs me to be there but it is it is it's it's very draining it's especially if you have like social anxiety which i have it's like so stressful to go out and you're like did they hear me like swallow did they they see me sweat did they see me blink did i blink the wrong direction did i forget to say hi to you i hope not what are these fucking elves or something they got like magic (laughs) here so i'm just you know that's when you have social anxiety you're just like in your own brain and it's just like oh my god like did i walk the wrong way is my mom back straight do i do i grab that snack do I want that snack? Is that is that an alcoholic? No, it's not. Should I drink that? Does it look like alcohol? You know, all these like questions in my mind. And it's like, okay, there's that person over there. And the goal is to talk to them and say hello because they are an important person. So I'm like, okay, they're having a conversation. When that conversation ends, I'll walk over there. But am I going to walk from the rough, left side or the right side? How am I going to, am I going to shake their hand or is it going to be a hug? What? It, how am I? Gonna, these things go through my mind all the time, right? And then I gotta walk up there regardless and push myself. There's like five different people in my head telling me to go, and I'm like, "Oh, hi, so and so, so how are you?" <laughs> and sometimes they don't know who I am, and it's just like, I'm so I'm that um, you know, the, the, uh, inf- the uh, influencer, the word that I hate to use. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, Sophia, you're in that campaign. I'm like, yes, that's me. They're like, oh, you look so different. I'm like, hopefully, good different. <laughs> Um, oh my god, when so, people say that you look, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I really want to slap the shit out of them, like, I really do. <laughs> Unless they say, like, wow, you look stunningly beautiful in person. If it's not that, then I don't want to fucking hear it, okay? If it's not that, don't say it. It's mean, it's usually positive, um, thankfully, okay, okay. but okay. um. Yeah, so I don't do social events very often. So just, just, because that just takes me out. I come home, go to sleep for like a week. I just cannot. Um, but a lot of people don't understand that because a lot of the people that I'm around are extreme extroverts. Like, it's not, they're like on the other side of the spectrum to me. Um, and it's just, everybody's different. You know, everyone is energized by different things. I have some friends that need to be out all the time and meet with friends and family. And that's what makes them feel alive and energized and happy. I'm good at home with, you know, a box of nachos, some salsa and like good music. Everybody's different, you know? Um, so yeah. I mean, yeah, like people have been asking me like, oh, are you okay during the quarantine? Because I, I live alone. I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... No, yeah, like I'm like the easiest part of this quarantine for me is the fact that I'm alone. (laughs) That's what's making it more bearable to me, because if I was around other people, I think that would make me feel like I was going fucking crazy. But honestly, when I'm alone, I'm good. Like being alone for me is like it's very hard for me to be upset when I'm by myself. I don't know. It's, I feel most comfortable alone and I don't get like caught up in my thoughts or anything. Like I feel I more so would get caught up in my thoughts in like a social setting. You you said something earlier that like, I kind of wanted to like touch back on, which is that you're like hijabi representation in the middle East. What is that like? Oh gosh. It's a very big topic. Um, 
Where do I begin? Um, because the thing is, is I know what how I feel about hijabi representation, like in in Western countries. But I actually kind of assumed, I guess, that in the Middle East, like everything was cool. But that was just an assumption that I made because I don't, I really, genuinely don't know. Um, I don't even know how to put it in words for you. <laughs> like, is it is is there a good amount of representation? There is definitely, there is definitely some representation for sure. Now, when it comes to hijabi, and that's, and this is, this is going to be, oh gosh, girl, I don't know if I can talk about this. Um, it's really difficult. It's, um, I could generalize. Okay. It. Okay. Um, but when it comes to hijabi woman representation, in the Middle East, it's tricky because there's so many layers to it. Obviously, Muslim women are not only hijabi, so yeah. it's um, a bit more diverse, I would say. But there's always like a token hijabi. I would say like the hijabi is kind of like the token girl. It's not necessarily something that you see all the time everywhere. Even in the Middle that East, that makes sense. Yeah. That's very surprising. I don't know why I just assumed it wasn't like that. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like if people hear this, they're going to come back, um, have a bunch of like what they call them, comebacks, clapbacks. Because there, there <laughs> oh. is. It exists for sure. Yeah. But it's definitely not how we would imagine. You know, being in growing up in America, you have a certain view of the Middle East being like where the Kaaba is. That's where the Middle East is. Mecca's over there. <laughs> You think, you, know, you think all hijab and you, you think all of these things, you know, the imam and the masjid and the da 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 But I'm like, when you're out here, it's not really like that. Um, and don't forget, like, how the West has a very big impact here. People want to be very westernized. People are very westernized. Um, I know a lot of people familiarize with more western music than arabic music in some cases in many cases actually with the upcoming generation um so with that being said hijabi women are not necessarily like you will see more campaigns with non-hijabi women than with hijabi women if i had to interesting even though like if i had to guess like okay like let's just say in in the united arab emirates would it be fair to say that like most of the population does wear hijab? Because I lived there a long time ago, like in two up until 2006. And when I lived there, I saw more hijabis than not. Okay. Let me say this. In my industry, when I go to an event, I do not see a lot of hijabis. Interesting. I am one of few. And some in some cases, I'm the only one. Yeah, but that genuinely surprises me but at the same time it doesn't because what you said earlier really kind of I feel like is very accurate and this is something that I recognized happening in the Gulf even back in the early 2000s which is Western culture is very much so praised um, and I remember walking into stores and people seeing me and being like okay she's Arab okay she's wearing a hijab and like kind of not you know, asking me, oh, can I help you with anything? And then if I would talk to my sister and they would hear my American accent, they would then quickly come over to me and be like, oh, can I help you with something? Like, do you need something? And and it was just this very apparent kind of like 
you're better because you're American, which is such a strange, strange thing. But I mean, again, I lived there such a long time ago that I kind of don't know what the climate is like now. But I mean, it does make sense because I do think that in the Middle East, there is this kind of misconception that like, oh, they don't like the West. But in reality, they love the West and they like are constantly striving to be more westernized. Absolutely. Well, at least here in, in Dubai or like in the GCC, in the Khalij, it's very much westernized. Um, and you see people wanting to mimic that, even having Eurocentric standards of beauty, you know, and this is a whole nother topic of like colorism in the Middle East. I don't even want to dive into that. It's such a deep topic to discuss, but like there's so many layers. It's like an endless tiramisu cake, just like endless layers of things going on. Um, but ultimately speaking, um, when it comes to hijab in the Middle East, yeah, of course, you know, we're, we're here, we're visible. We do have a voice for sure. It's not like in, in the West. However, I wouldn't... Um, necessarily say it's 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 a balanced yeah yeah and like i think that it, it like i, I try the thing about like talking about like anything related to hijabis is is like i recognize that muslim women all don't wear hijab and don't all look the same but i think for me the reason why hijabi representation is important is because Growing up, that's not something that I had. And so I know how that felt for me. And I want younger generations to not feel that feeling of being out of place or and and now I think there's like this weird thing where it's like, yeah, hijabis are included, but it's, it's very tokenized, which also doesn't feel very good. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, wanting to find a balance where the representation feels good and I do think that sometimes it is genuine inclusion but I think that that's more rare to actually see genuine inclusion I mean yeah at the end of the day when you're in a campaign or whatever project um it's for marketing purposes (laughs) so yeah as genuine as they want it to be at the end of the day you're there for a purpose you're there for a reason you hit a demographic that the campaign or the the person is in charge of the marketing thinks or the advertising thinks that, Hey, having this person is going to hit this demographic and this is part of our audience. And this is how much we can make out of the situation. This is what it is at the end of the day. You are a statistic, you are a number. Um, even though, even if it is genuine, you know, and I think this applies to everyone across the board, of course, any, any person in a campaign, but that's just how it is. And this is just how the business runs at the end of the day. You just got to be able to protect yourself and give them the right rates. And, you know, if you got usage rights, <laughs> make sure, you know, give them another rate for that, you know, just hit them with the checks. Um, and yeah, you know, that, that's, that's how it is. You're not, you're not wrong about that. Get the fucking coin, keep moving, whatever. Like, cause yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they are fulfilling some type of quota. Uh, but, but, you know, sometimes it does feel like they actually, they, they want to make a statement with this. You know what I mean? Not for, for, to, to, you know, get clout or, or, or to create controversy, but it's because they like feel passionate about it. And like, sometimes you really feel that passion from a brand. And that to me is like, 
super exciting because I'm like, holy shit, you actually just want to fucking do this just to like do it. Absolutely. There are definitely brands like that, that, you know, the storytelling and the concept is a priority, which is great. Um, and then something that I want to talk to you about, because I feel like you probably have an interesting perspective on it, mm-hmm. is how do you feel about, I feel like I, I don't want to make this a super like open-ended question. How can I make this more specific? But like, basically, like, how do you feel about the the responsibility that I feel like the digital community puts on women who decide to cover their head? Mm. Um, can you repeat the question one more time? Like, so, so for me, basically it's like I wear a hijab and -hmm. it's a decision that I made and I'm really very privileged to have been able to make that decision on my own. And it's something that I feel comfortable with. And I feel like it's a very personal thing for me, but there's this constant noise around me. And I feel like Mm -hmm. this is like we were talking about before, like the the topic of hijab, it's, it's like a love hate thing. Like I fucking hate it. But also at the same time, I think it's an important conversation to have and it annoys the shit out of me. But also at the same time, I'm like, we have to talk about it. Cause I feel like at the end of the day, talking about it is how we kind of figure things out. But like, I feel like people are constantly putting this unrealistic expectation on me to be a certain way, to dress a certain way, to behave a certain way. And it's this, uh, this responsibility that is just like unattainable, but what is, what's your experience been like with that? Because I feel like we were, we're different in that aspect because obviously not all hijabis are the same. And what's that experience kind of been like for you? Generally speaking, um, I had a pretty good experience, like with all my years in being in this open space on social media, I don't necessarily get a lot of hate. However, I've seen a lot of my peers get hate. Um, I know that when I put my face online and I was wearing hijab, automatically there was a certain, you know, responsibility and a certain way that I had to kind of um, structure myself. That makes any sense. I had to be a certain way, you know, which isn't necessarily the day-to-day me, the goofy side of me, the, the crazy side of me. I really... Once I put on that hijab, you know, I had to have respect for it and respect for those that wear it because whether I wanted to or not, I became a representation for Muslim women. You know, when I go to the fashion show and I'm one of the only hijabis there, they don't look at me like as Sophia Goodson. They see me as, oh, there's that Muslim girl there. There's the hijabi girl. And that's kind of how I'm identified. So I need to represent accordingly. It is a lot of pressure and it can be very difficult, but this is kind of the position that I'm in and I wouldn't want to represent it in a way that would degrade it, you know, with like bits of my, I don't know, outbursts or um, crazy personality maybe coming out that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily fit with, within modesty. Does that make sense? You know, no, I mean, I, I, no, no, question. <laughs> I, I know it's a heavy question, but honestly, I know that like, I was like, if anyone can handle this heavy ass question, it's Fia. I don't know why. I just feel like I'm like, she can handle it. But no, like, that's the thing. I, I really, I respect honestly your, your candidness about like how you feel about it because 
I think I definitely, I see where you're coming from. And my question is, is like, do you feel like, how does that make you feel? Like, do you feel good about it? Like, do you feel like, is it something that when you do it, you're like, I'm, I'm happy that I'm doing this? Or is there like a part of you that's like, this is super annoying. And like, I really wish I didn't have this responsibility. You know what I mean? Or are you comfortable with it? You're okay with it. You're like, this is kind of my, um, like public persona and I'm okay having like privately having a different kind of, I guess, persona for lack of better words. Um, Let me just put it this way. We have guidelines for when it comes to hijab, modesty, whatever you want to call it, however you want to put it. There are guidelines to how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to be. For me, hijab isn't just the scarf on my head. It also applies to my character. It applies to the way I speak. So yes, I'm wearing it, but also when someone approaches me, the way that I speak, the way that I uphold myself is going to match with that. Um, And so I feel like, yes, this is a responsibility. And if I'm going to do this, that I need to be able to kind of, whether I want to or not, do it. And I don't necessarily have a problem doing that. I think, you know, being modest and being sophisticated and wearing the hijab is totally fine with me. Like my personality is somewhat modest. Um, And I feel like when you wear the hijab, you shouldn't be acting out. You know, like I don't want to see hijabi out in the club dancing. (laughs) Even if that's the thing she really wants to do. I feel like, no, you have to respect it. But like, just to play the devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's for me, it's, it's a difficult position because I see where you're coming from. And I know from like an Islamic perspective that there are these guidelines, but at the end of the day, I'm kind of of the belief of like, I want to encourage people to do the best that they can. And everyone's version of the best that they can is going to vary. And well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Best that you can. Is it like straight? Would it be a strange sight for me to see, you know, a hijabi, you know, twerking at a club? For sure. But at the same time, mm-hmm. that if that's her decision, then that's her decision. You know what I mean? Because like ultimately, she's going to do what she wants. Do I feel like that's a negative representation of hijab? I, I think that's kind of where like I kind of. I do think that there is a certain responsibility when you wear a hijab, but I think that the responsibility that's put on us is extreme to a certain degree. And Mm. it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit unfair. It's cause it's like, we're, we're all human beings. Human beings make mistakes. No one is perfect all the time. And you know what I mean? It's just kind of it. And that's where I think a lot of people feel negatively about it because they feel like it's very suffocating. And for me, I think that, I don't know. I don't, I would hate to think that someone would be deterred from, from covering or from whatever, or their decision because they feel like they can't live up to it. You know what I mean? They feel like they can't do everything that they need to do. That's why most people take off because they feel that their lifestyle doesn't necessarily, um, I guess, respect the hijab any longer. And uh, they don't want to put themselves or they have too much respect for the hijab. They they remove it, which 
again, is it's really none of my concern, not really my business. It's yeah. up to that person. Now, there's two sides of the spectrum here. I definitely do not agree, and I do not necessarily accept the idea of a hijabi going out clubbing and being wild. Um, but again, when it comes to people saying things like, oh, some of your hair is showing in the comments and dictating what women can and cannot be, that is where I see the problem. If I'm wearing red lipstick, that's fine. I'm not disrespecting the hijab by wearing my red lipstick. Some people might argue with that and say, yes, you are because you're showing your figure. I get these comments sometimes. But I feel like those are two sides of the spectrum, Noor. Two two major sides of the spectrum here. (laughs) Wearing red lipstick is not being at the club dancing in your scarf. Um, You know, showing a bit of hair, you know, trying to be cute. And all women want to feel beautiful. And I completely understand that. And that's why I do what I do. So you can feel comfortable and be beautiful while being modest, while wearing your hijab or your turban or covering or whatever. Um, That's that's what I do, you know. Um, But I feel like there are boundaries, there are limitations. You know, and I've had plenty of opportunities to be in the club and partying with this, that, and the other. But like, hey, boundaries, yo, I can't. Nope, I don't do this. I don't. Just, I don't know. Out of respect for it, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it. No, for sure. No, I, I definitely, I, I under like, I, I definitely agree with the whole like. There's, there are certain places where it would make me personally feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, if you want to wear the hijab and go diving, want to wear the hijab and go skydiving, want to wear the hijab and travel around the world, want to wear the hijab and be a rocket scientist, go for it. You want to be a hijab and be a model. Want to be be hijabi and be an artist or a guitarist or a violinist or a fencer or a teacher or whatever it is, do that. There's nothing wrong with that. You can be whatever you want, but there's just certain limitations. Best, and it's very minimal stuff also. Well, for me at least. To bid by those things. I mean, this is if you believe in the hijab, Aslan, you know, the, the, the scarf <laughs> on your head. Yeah. Not everyone believes in it in that way. And it's and it's it's such an incredibly personal thing, which is why I do enjoy talking about it sometimes with, with certain people. Like I'm interested in hearing your perspective on it because I think that you you have a unique experience because you know you you grew up in America, um, you're you're Moroccan American, you live in Dubai, you're you are a content creator, you are an influencer, you do have a lot of like life experience. I feel like for someone who's your age, um, and I think that puts you in a, a unique situation. And I've always just kind of felt that from you, which is that you do have like a certain like kind of respect for hijab that you're not willing to ever kind of waver from. And I, I respect it. And I think it's really cool. And I, I don't know. I just, I think at the end of the day, like the thing is, is that, yeah, there are these very specific guidelines, but Mm -hmm. then everyone's interpretation of it is so different, which is why for me, I'm just always like, Everyone can do whatever they want. Of course, everyone has free will to do what they want. Or that's, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think is we have a couple of guidelines. They're pretty clear. Um, whether you want to go with those guidelines or not, it's up to you. But they are there. Yeah. You know, and it is what it is. And that's it. Period. Done. 
you know, um, if you want to wear a turban, you want to show your neck, you want to show your ears, want to show some hair, want to do that's up to you. And you can do whatever you want. But um, there are guidelines. And this is just how, and it's not just women, <laughs> also for men. And I feel like a lot of people miss out on that. There are guidelines for men that I feel should be emphasized just as much. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's like a whole other thing. Like, I I don't even get me started on like Muslim guys on Instagram and their need to patrol what women do. And I'm just like, how do you think any of this behavior is Islamic? It's just not like this isn't this isn't how you're supposed to be behaving. This isn't how you should be approaching the situation at all. Why are you even here? Just a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm just left with like a lot of questions. But yeah, I'm like, that's a whole other thing. I'm like, then I'll just get mad and start like freaking out because I just, it makes me angry that it, I don't know, Muslim guys really love, not all, I don't want to generalize, but there's, there's a, there's a good amount of Muslim guys in the digital space who really like to police women and like, I don't know about you. This is my experience. Like, just random dudes mm. will comment on my photo. Like, just the other day, some random guy commented on my photo and said, please take off the hijab. And I'm mm. like, who are you, my dude? Like, who? I'm sorry. Do I know you? Like, like why do you feel that this is an appropriate thing to say? Because for me, and I say this all the time and people think it's funny, but I'm being dead, dead serious. Someone telling me to take my scarf off is like someone telling me to take my pants off. That's what it feels like to me. Like, it, it, it's... I find it very offensive. Exactly. Like, I find it incredibly offensive. Like, and not like in a way where I'm going to go cry about it, but like offensive and like, how dare you? You know what I mean? How do you mm-hmm. think that you have a, a any right to say that to me or to, to anyone else? It's such a personal private thing that's mine and not yours. And, you know, my, my relationship with God and my reason for wearing it has, it's none, it's not your business. Um, and I don't know, it just, it's definitely, I don't know. I'm, I just, I hope that over time through having conversations and kind of people growing and evolving, like we were kind of talking about at the beginning of the conversation that hopefully I hope that, uh, the the online Muslim community can be kinder to one another, be mm-hmm. more understanding. Um, try to That's you know assume you say that Muslim online Muslim community because I'm like majority of where I live is Muslim so we don't and that's the funny thing living in a Muslim country people don't see themselves as a Muslim community it's a majority Muslim country so that's a very Western idea and Western Muslims are so different than like. The Muslims living in the Middle East or like North Africa. Do you feel like there's a lack of community there? It's not a lack of, it's like your community is your family. Like this is their homeland. So like you got your aunties and your uncles and your family. You guys are like a hundred plus. That's your community. In the West, like it's like your mom and your dad immigrated or through second generation. And they got like maybe a brother or a sister or maybe like an auntie or something. And it's like just a couple of you guys. So you guys all kind of like have a community, make a community at the masjid. That's how it is in the West. And that's like how I grew up. I grew up in the masjid. That's where the community was. You know, you had that one lady from Morocco. You had this other lady and they had kids. And like, we all kind of grew up together. We all went to Islamic school together. We all went to Sunday school because they don't have their families there. Their families don't live in America. They live 
elsewhere. So when you live home, <laughs> when you yeah. live at home, you got your family. So here, I don't really have a community. I'm not from here. So it's difficult to a certain extent, but like, you know, being the solo wolf, the solo turtle that I am, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely it is a completely different experience. And like, you're right, we we are. I think in America, Muslims are very into their masjid and their community, and that's not something. I remember my first Ramadan living in Dubai, being like, "Okay, Dad, let's go, let's go to Tarawih, let's go to prayer." Yeah. And he was like, "Okay." And I get to the mosque, and there's like no one, no women are there. Like there's like Mm -hmm. maybe like 30 women there. And I'm like, what? And no one is talking to each other. Not like in a rude way, but just like no one is really socializing. And like, that's the thing. Like to me growing up, the masjid was like a social thing. And it's like a thing that connected us and brought us together. And you're right. When you're kind of a minority, you do tend to stick together. But at the same time, I would say like, other than my like five of my mom's brothers live here and all of their kids live here so I do I do have a lot of family here but at the same time like I still consider the people at the mosque that I grew up around to be like like my community because like these are people who like grew up with me we we learned about kind of like our religion together and like you know we kind of grew up together and even if we're not close anymore like if I see someone I'm still like hey like what's up like I don't know there is a different sense of community though that I think exists in the west that doesn't exist overseas and it's because of the exact thing that you said like you know it's it's a Muslim country there so like you don't need to seek community community is kind of everywhere yeah absolutely Um, but wait so how long did you live in America for Mm. I would say roughly maybe like 10 years. Okay. Were you born there? Eight years. Yeah, I was born and raised in North Carolina. How old were you when you moved to Dubai? I was about like 10. I'm 20. I'm going to be 26 next week. Oh my God. I forgot that your birthday is like right, like either the day before. Yeah, you're the 30th, right? Um, the first. The first. So, okay, I knew yeah. you were either the day before or after my birthday. And then Maria's <laughs> so self-centered. Like right uh-huh. So we're all, we're all Aries. Gonna, we're all Aries, and we're all going to have very sad coronavirus birthdays. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Oh. Uh, and it's so sad because the last time I saw you was in New York, and we were talking about doing a birthday trip. That yeah. obviously did not happen. Mm-mm. I'm so glad I didn't go to Lebanon. Zane was like returning back to the UK a couple of days afterwards. Yep, yep, yep. He was like, oh, come to Lebanon. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've always wanted to go to Lebanon. Like always. I think it's beautiful. To me, it's like Palestine, basically. In my mind, Lebanon is Palestine. So I'm like, dope. It'll kind of be like being in Palestine. This is great. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad that I didn't end up actually going anywhere because I would probably be stuck there and be pretty pretty pissed about it but one day one day we'll we'll go on our aries birthday trip <laughs> do it for sure for sure maybe that's why we all get along like we're all like super chill that's why everything that you're saying to me i'm like yeah i feel you on that like yeah no i like being alone more than i like being around like i have to really 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 like the person to hang out with them that's why when people are like oh my god whatever like thank you for coming. I'm like, no, you don't need to thank me. Like if I'm here, I want to be here. If I didn't want to be here, I just straight up would not be here. And I don't care 
it, whose feelings get hurt. I mean, obviously I'll be respectful about it, but like, I don't know, man, my, my energy and my, my emotions are, are very much so my priority. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think when you come to a certain age, you're just not about it. Not about the clout, not about getting that picture, not about the likes, not about none of that stuff. It's just like, yo, I'm here. On that note, where can people find you online? Any future projects to look out for? Anything you want to plug? I just want to say thank you guys so much for being part of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. And yeah, let us know what you think. Maybe we'll have a second session. I mean, honestly, like I said in the beginning, your voice is made for podcasts. It's like the equivalent of like smooth... I don't even know, like smooth, buttery fucking ice cream. I don't know. I don't know. Like your mm. voice is soothing. Your voice is ASMR, just constant. You're you're just a constant ASMR. You're walking ASMR. Uh, oh, wow. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you could find her on Instagram. Uh, you follow me at Nori. You could follow the podcast at Arab American Psycho, where you will see a beautiful picture of Sophia's face. So many pictures to choose from. Which one will I choose? Who can say? Um, and as always, uh, I will talk to you guys next week.